Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about inflation in the economy since uh, last year. And today's show is about how retirees can protect themselves from inflation. Uh, but before we get into it, I'm your host, Brent Pasqua, founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, Joshua Winterswijk, certified financial planner. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this matchup for the Super Bowl? I'm really excited, Brent. So I'm a massive Rams fan, and the Rams <laughs> are in the Super Bowl this year. Um, been a Rams fan since I was a little kid. And, you know, just to see them play at, um, you know, our home stadium, SoFi Stadium, is going to be just, you know, really cool. I was looking to buy tickets, and whew. Uh, they cost a pretty penny. The cheapest seat was about six grand. So I am officially going to be watching from my couch. Is there proof that you've been a Rams fan since a kid? Because I've known you a long time, and and I didn't know that you were a Rams fan until they actually moved back to LA. I actually just found out you were a Rams fan. Yeah, in in 1992, I dressed up as Eric Dickerson for Halloween. I had a Rams I just, uh, football uniform. I can't hold my tongue. This is just fabricated completely. You think so? You know, I think so. Yeah, I just found out he was a Rams fan. I, I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the Rams. I love all LA teams. So if the Rams are in there, the Chargers are in there, I'm excited. I support our local teams. Um, but I'm very excited. I think it's awesome that it's in LA. You know, the weather's going to be great. Uh, I'm excited for the game. And it's cool they get to play the Bengals, who haven't been there in forever. So I'm excited. Yeah, cool that the Bengals are in it, right? I mean, no one really expected that. Kind of seemed like uh, no one wanted the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. <laughs> um, and uh, I will just go out and say it. I am not a Rams fan. So, you know, go Bengals um, on Super Bowl Sunday. Really cool that it's in L.A., though. That stadium is awesome. Um, so really cool that the L.A. is going to be showcased um, and that stadium is going to be showcased. But um, just to let the audience know one more time, I am not a Rams fan. Yeah. There, those are some expensive tickets. I mean, being that it's close to home, would you ever – spend that much money or just enjoy the super bowl festivities at at the super bowl parties too much i think the only way i did do that is unless my team that i've been supporting since i was a child which this is actually true the miami dolphins that's my team if they went to the super bowl and it was in la i think that i would have to muster up the price to, to go josh I, josh i know you and you're not dropping six grand to sit at the top deck of the super you know what if i have to sell a kidney to go see my team finally <laughs> i mean who knows when it'll happen again i've never even seen him in a I barely even seen them win a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Dolphins fan, I mean, you probably have never even seen them in the playoffs in your lifetime. <laughs> Just start collecting cans to pay for this stuff. But um, no, it's, it is so expensive. It's just crazy. But Super Bowl parties are so fun. I mean, that's kind of the, ho- the highlight of the holiday and the tradition of it all. No, absolutely. Super Bowl parties are great. Um, just the food, just the environment. Everyone kind of gets excited for that day and um, football pools, all that stuff. I, I love Super Bowl. Me too. All right. So let's get into the hot take headlines. Some of the most followed stocks in the market reported earnings over the last couple of weeks. After the earnings reports came out, we saw some really big swings in some of these stocks. Um, so tech stocks really started reporting over the last couple of weeks. Amazon reported earnings and are up 15%. Apple's up 11%. Google's up 9%. Netflix down 20%. And Meta, old school Facebook, is down 26%. Maybe the metaverse already blew up. Uh, But what's going on here with these big stocks? Yeah, it's kind of unique. I don't remember um, seeing big swings like this in these tech stocks um, when they report earnings. Because, I mean, like you said, when we mean they're big, what we mean is their market caps are really large. So 
most of the news should be priced into the stock. So to have, you know, Amazon jumping by 15%, Apple jumping by 11%, and then on the flip side, Netflix and Facebook falling by, you know, over 20%. Those are some wild moves. And it just, you know, speaks to kind of the theme we started hitting on towards the end of last year and we talked about it on the last show. There's just a lot of uncertainty in the stock market right now. We're seeing it in these big tech earnings, and we expect this to be a super volatile year. I think there's just so many variables too right now that are volatile. I mean, you talk about interest rates, um, you know, even earnings, all of this stuff that's going on. And, you know, this is the other side of being an investor in with these companies and stocks is that we saw really great rates of return from these tech companies for a while. Uh, and 10 so, years. you know, you no one had a problem with them going up and this is that other side of it. Eventually it's going to have to reset a little bit. And I also think that investors are a little emotional right now. We've had such a, a crazy couple years and great returns and trying to figure all of this out in this new environment that the emotions playing a role in this as well. And it's creating even more fluctuation with these returns. Do you think if these earnings were reported a year ago or two, two years ago that the movement and swings that we just saw wouldn't have been as drastic or would it have they been more drastic? That's a good question. I don't think they would have been as drastic. It's not like, you know, Facebook and Netflix had awful earnings and it's not like Amazon and Apple had, the, you know, the greatest earnings. Um, it just seems like the market is really uncertain right now and it's overreacting on the upside and the downside to, to news. Everyone's looking to either get spooked or to almost jump onto something positive. Yeah, very reactive. Uh, all right, let's get into the other headline. Uh, Google recently announced a 20 for 1 stock split. Um, why are they doing this? And what does it actually mean to investors when a company does split like this into this magnitude? I mean, I don't, I don't recall exactly when it, the last company did a 20 for 1. Yeah, 20 for 1 is a big one. I don't know if I remember seeing a 20 for 1 in my, in my career. Um, but I think is Google what a Two hundred, two thousand, or three thousand dollars stock. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just below three, I believe. Just below three thousand a share. So essentially, you know what that means is if you had three thousand invested in Google, you owned one share, right? Pretty simple. Now, if you have three thousand invested in Google, you're gonna own twenty shares, but the price per share is gonna be lower. Um, so stock splits really don't do that much when you boil it down. You still have the same amount invested in the stock that you did, you know, the day prior. Um, it's kind of like breaking a pencil in half a bunch of times. Or cutting a pizza in multiple slices. It's the same size pizza. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point too. You know, eight slice pizza is still, you know, the same diameter as 16. You can cut a large pizza in 16 slices or eight slices. It's still yeah. the same size pizza. But is it, in using that same analogy, I mean, is the concept the same? I mean, when you cut more slices up, essentially you're just able to feed uh, more people. Not You're not feeding people more, but you're able to feed more people because you have more slices. Yeah, that's a good point. It's more affordable now for more people. So more people can jump in and buy Google stock. I mean, Tesla did this, Matt, I'm sure you, on the top of your head can think of another more that recently just did stock splits. But, you know, and it, you see good reaction from it because, again, it, it is giving an opportunity for more investors who potentially couldn't afford a full share, didn't buy it because of that reason now to afford it and buy shares of Google. Yeah, individual investors love stock splits. They always have. Um, you know, it's attractive. You look at something that was priced for, for 3000 one day, and now it's priced at a couple hundred dollars. It's a big psychological difference. Should people go out there and start buying the stock now that it's more affordable for them? Um, like I said, if you invest 3000 in Google, you know, the day before it splits, you're going to have 3000 in Google the day after it splits. So 
it's, it shouldn't make the stock go up or down, all things being equal. You know, always consult with your financial advisor to see what investments are, you know, make sense for you. I think if you liked Google before and you still like Google, then, you know, that's when you should buy it. The stock split should probably be dictating there, your purchase. Do you think Amazon does the same thing? Because Amazon stock price is in the, right in that same ballpark range. And a lot of people would like to own Amazon, but it's just unaffordable for a lot of people. I mean, they probably should. Um, same same thing, right? It's worth two thousand dollars a share, so they do a twenty four one. They get get a price around where Google's at. So yeah, potentially could help them out. Their stock hasn't gone up in like two or three years, so maybe it'll help actually get investors, um, you know, enthusiastic to buy the stock. All right, well, let's get in the retirement planning corner. Uh, many people, and we've talked about this many times over the show. Uh, many people are concerned about the rising rate of inflation. Um, people are now finding themselves spending more money on groceries, on gas, and on any common household goods. And this can be increasingly more difficult if you are on a fixed income or you do have somewhat of a tight budget or you, you want to spend within a certain amount of money monthly in a, in a certain range. Today's show is about how retirees can protect themselves from inflation. And now some great tips on how anybody can really protect themselves from inflation. But I really enjoy always discussing strategies that people can begin to implement and that can help them long-term in their financial planning and even short-term. Uh, let's get into some of these strategies that can help people sort of offset this. What is one of your key strategies? Yeah, so I'll get us started. And the first strategy is to make sure you have the right percentage of stocks in your portfolio, right? So many people are scared of the volatility of the stock market, but stocks actually offer really great inflation protected returns it's actually the best asset for inflationary times um so it's important to understand you know what's happening um as inflation gets going if you have a ton of money in cash you're getting negative return on that cash that's at the bank so if inflation's seven percent and your bank account's paying you 0.01 percent you're losing seven percent of your money over the course of the year by not being invested the stock market has historically returned 10 percent per year on average. That's a great rate of return. Most advisors don't even cite that stat because it's actually almost too good, right? You can't tell people they're going to get 10%. But I mean, that's what the numbers say. So inflation would have to be above 10% for, the, for historically stocks to return negative after inflation. And we've just never seen that. We haven't really been in a time where we've discussed this. I mean, especially even on the pod where like inflation is now this big concern and we have to, to battle it. And being in a situation where you do have cash and now that is risky. Right? We haven't talked about that too much. I mean, we, we know we want our money working for us, but now your cash is really truly at risk with the new inflation numbers that we're seeing. So you have to keep those equities. And I know it is uncertain. I know the times are, are different. Um, and, and I also feel like when we talk about inflation, a lot of people correlate it to like bad stock market performance. I don't know if you guys kind of feel that, but like even with clients and just questions I get from family and friends, like economy is uncertain and that means stock market's going to crash. Um, so really uh, just great points, Matt, on, on the stock market returns because losing your equities and stock positions right now through this inflationary period is probably not a good thing. I mean, is it concerning that the market and the stock market has been going down, you know, to start the year and you have high inflation, you know, people are seeing lowering prices of their portfolios their cost of goods are going up, very different of a financial position maybe they were in December of 2021? It shouldn't be because if you had stocks in your portfolio in 2019, 2020, 
um, in 2021, I mean, you delivered returns far above inflation. So you should be ahead of the game right now and not, you know, worrying at all. And when inflation wasn't as high. So your real return has been excellent. Yeah. And I think the mindset that people have to take too right now is as stock prices go down, I mean, you always should talk to your advisor about this, but stocks become more attractive as prices drop. And so maybe it's a good time also to be looking at not being nervous, but being a more, little bit more aggressive. Oh, great point. Yeah. And you should be consulting, you know, with your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, reach out to one and they'll help you figure out how much percent of stocks you need in your portfolio to keep up with and beat inflation. Is there any other important points on keeping equities or stocks inside your retirement? Yeah, I think that, you know, with a diversified portfolio, you probably have some bonds or fixed income investments that are in there. Um, And right now, it's just good to point out that those aren't keeping up with inflation, right? So just another reason why leaning too heavily on those more conservative investments could be actually hurting you in the long run. Um, And I think that that's important. So step one or strategy one is consider keeping or adding stocks to your retirement portfolio. I mean, obviously, the recommendation comes from a from us inside from the podcast, but always consult with your financial advisor. What's our second strategy? So the second strategy is to research out and find maybe a high yield savings account. This isn't fully going to help you beat inflation, but it could help chip away it a little bit. So we all know the big banks, Chase City, Wells, um, Joshua, Bank of America, US Bank, US Bank. If you're keeping your money in those banks, you're not getting any interest at all. Um, you should probably just be using those banks for maybe your debit card and put a little bit of cash just in case you overdraw your checking account. But for the most part, you should probably be keeping your money in an online savings account because you are going to get a higher interest rate than you would from a physical bank. And one thing to point out with the online savings accounts, I know it is a newer concept. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast because it can close that gap, especially in these inflationary periods of return, um, or at least help a little bit. But all of these online banks have now been around for a while. So, you know, they are reputable now. They have great service teams. They um, also are FDIC insured, just like your, your big bank. So, you know, not a lot of risk involved. You know, it is just a little bit of a different process. Yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, I think anybody who's thinking about putting their savings account somewhere else that's not in a traditional bank, it's kind of a foreign thought sometimes. And to kind of make it easier, I mean, mostly all of these that we're talking about are FDIC insured. And what happens is is you can open up at any one of these online savings accounts, let's say Capital One, um, which has Capital 360, Marcus, Ally, Synchrony. There's just a lot of them. You can Google them out there on the top rated savings accounts. And you can link your traditional bank account, your traditional savings account to that online savings account, and then transfer money back and forth electronically. But while your money is sitting at this separate online savings account, you're getting that higher interest rate, and that's free money. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're seeing interest rates potentially going up too, you're already in position to seek that advantage of being in an online savings account because those rates are variable. So a lot of these bigger online banks too are staying competitive. Those rates will rise when interest rates rise. So you're going to get an even better rate. So something to kind of even, you know, at the beginning of the year to prep for if you're concerned about rising interest rates as a saver, well, that could potentially even help you um, if you're not, you know, on the other side of borrowing. Yeah, the first interest rate hike is scheduled um, for March. So I'd imagine those online savings banks shortly after the, you know, the rates do rise from the Fed, um, that they increase the rates they're offering, you know, customers as well. Yeah, and this is an easy strategy, in my opinion, to implement. 
This isn't something complicated. You could find your favorite bank by just doing a quick Google search, open an account online, start making a little bit more money on your savings account. And as interest rates go up, you're going to be making even more. So I think very something very simple to implement and help yourself offset some inflation. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's get into our next strategy. What else do we have that could be helpful? So there's these type of bonds that adjust for inflation, and they could be really beneficial um, to a client's portfolio in inflationary times, and those are called TIPS. They're treasury-protected securities, and they basically work like a normal bond that pays the interest rate that inflation pays out. So if inflation's high, you're going to do pretty well in the bonds because you're going to get a higher adjusted inflation payout. On the flip side, though, there's a negative. When inflation's not doing that well, the, the bonds aren't going to pay out great. You can kind of relate it to a lot of people are familiar with mortgages, right? You have an adjustable and a fixed rate. Um, not the best comparison, um, but mortgages with the variable rate, as those rates change, they adjust. Um, kind of the same concept from the bonds as well. Now, we've had a lot of people reach out and ask about I-bonds. Does that help in this situation? Should people consider purchasing an I-bond? And what is an I-bond? So an I-bond is a savings bond offered by the U.S. Treasury directly uh, to consumers. So that would be all of us. And you can go to the Treasury Direct to buy these. And you, you, you're only allowed to invest uh, 10000 in the bond. Um, and it pays what the current inflation rate is right now. So the inflation rate is 7%. So that's what the bond's paying. Um, so if you were to invest your 10000 in that, you'd get about $700 a year in interest. It's a lot. It sounds like a lot compared to you know what you currently get at the bank, but is it worth the headache of going to the Treasury Direct and you know buying this bond online, sending them your money? Uh, I don't know. Maybe as a gift. I mean, that's a lot of times what these were used for, right? Um, like the IBR savings bonds in general. I think that they've just really decreased in popularity, especially when they moved online because, you know, you used to be able to go to the bank and redeem them and buy them and it was a lot easier of a process. But, I, I you know, you're right. I mean, for a maximum of only being able to put 10000 into this I-bond, is it really worth it? So every year um, in the 90s for Christmas and my birthday, so every six months, my grandma would give me, you know, one of these I-bonds or E-bonds. And I, I got access to them when I was in college. And it was, it was a very nice gift. Um, I, I had a, you know, a nice little chunk of change for you know, being in my mid-20s. Yeah. But if she just would have invested in like a Vanguard <laughs> or an S&P 500 mutual fund, all that money, all through the 90s and the 2000s, and then now till today, I mean, it would be worth a lot of money. Sure, yeah. but, but she still had the thought of actually putting in something that had some sort of an interest rate. That, that's still okay. It is okay. Um, but I get what you're saying. Though. I'm not arguing with you. Consult with your advisor. <laughs> yeah, one other thing about the I-bonds. I mean, if you cash them out before five years, there's penalties. Um, there's other factors to it. I think the interest rate, I could be wrong, kind of, it resets, right, Matt, based on, I think it's maybe semi-annual that it resets. I mean, there's a lot of variables to having in there, and they're not just easy to operate on. It's another account you have to track and file for your tax return. And if you have them in paper form, I feel like I just meet so many clients and then back even early career when I worked at on the retail bank side, like so many people forget about them <laughs> and they like, you know, 20 years later, even forgot they had them. And they're like, these are worth anything. Can I cash them? So, I mean, that's a risk of it too. If you have a, a real paper one of just kind of stashing it, putting it away and now it's not being reviewed. Now, did you ever cash yours from your grandmother or you still have them in the envelope? I, I have a few left. I haven't um, cashed them actually for tax purposes. I should have cashed them when I was much younger, um, but I kind of kept them as like a 
mini emergency fund but i i should cash them this year and i'm gonna i'll tell you what i'll buy right now i'm gonna buy ethereum with them stake my ethereum and get five percent it's pretty good i i have an envelope full of bonds from when i was a kid and i still haven't cashed them so i don't even know how to do that you know what man i actually like the strategy you're taking like an old school investment instrument like a i bond <laughs> and then turning it into cryptocurrency That's a pretty cool story your grandma would be proud <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is the next strategy all right. So the next thing you could do is invest in a hedge. And what you should do is when you think about these hedges, think of um, you know something that's physical that you could touch. Um, physical properties do really, really well in inflationary times. What's also gone up a lot and kept up with and slightly beat inflation? Real estate prices, right? You see your neighbor, they post a for sale sign on their home and you go, wow, I can't believe my neighbor just sold his home for that. That's because we're in an inflationary time and prices are rising. So investing in real estate is a really, really great inflation hedge. And Americans do really well at this. Like, you know, real estate a lot of times is a a big or the majority portion of your net worth. So uh, I guess it can kind of provide some, you know, a little bit of peace of mind um, that you do have a hedge if you do own a home because real estate is a great way to do that. Yep. Now, is it a great hedge right now with where prices are, or is it like a recommendation to hold off right now on real estate? I mean, what's your thought just based on the environment we're in? Um, you know, I would again consult with an advisor, but you know, for the most part, you need to understand why prices are going up. One, because that we're in an inflationary time, and two, because there's no supply. I mean, there's very few new homes coming on the market. Um, this is by design. They make it very difficult to build homes. Um, therefore, the price rises. You have to know all of your variables. What is that time horizon, right? What What is the goal? What is um, your strategy with housing? You know, do you need a house? I mean, there's just so many questions to be able to answer that question generally um, and provide a really good answer. So, so far we have uh, buy or purchase or keep your existing stocks, invest in a high yield savings account or put money into a high yield savings account, buy some inflation protection bonds, hedge your portfolio. What's next? Yeah. So next, why don't we talk about something that doesn't work that everybody seems to jump to uh, when there is inflation and that's Bitcoin and gold. And I know I'm about to smash on cryptocurrency. What's wrong? Uh, (laughs) Times have changed. The new year. So, you know, all the the younger people, right? If you're under 30, they say, hey, Bitcoin's the new gold. It's the best inflation hedge there is. The data just doesn't support that at all. Bitcoin was actually down last year. Um, in an inflationary time, that just doesn't sound like to me a good inflation hedge. And gold actually, you know, doesn't do that well in inflationary times. And what most people, why most people think gold does well in inflationary times, is because it did well in the 1970s. But there are other factors at work that led to gold's big rise in the 70s, and it was not actually related to the inflation we saw. I feel like there's just a lot of salesmen of gold. I mean, that's where it comes from now. I mean, you see the commercials, there's infomercials. I mean, you know, it's hard sell of purchasing gold through these times. And like you said, the data just doesn't prove that that's going to be a successful strategy. So make sure you do your research before you go out and you buy that that gold. Yeah, they ha- I mean, the gold salesman got to keep the Ponzi going on, right? They have inflation and then they also use the end of the world. 
and the dollar crumbling. I mean, uh, that, the end of the world ones get to Yeah, you. that's the. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, carve off a little of your gold block to buy food? Yeah, I, I just don't get that. If the, like, the zombie apocalypse came, like, how, how valuable is gold at that point? Uh, not that valuable. <laughs> the gold commercials to me seem just like the furniture salesman commercials or like the yeah. used car sales commercials. They're just attacking you to buy what they're selling. Yeah, no. And, uh, Try to change those. Yeah. They might even use the same actors for those. Yeah, probably. Uh, okay, so just some other general suggestions that kind of come to mind. Uh, maybe go through your monthly budget. You know, as cost of goods go up, um, maybe you can decide on some things that you may be able to cut out. I know, and I don't know if this goes for you guys, um, recurring subscriptions start to add up. And there's so many of them now that you can have reoccurring. Some of them you may not, you've been using maybe last year, you're not using this year. But look for any reoccurring subscriptions that you can cut out. Um, and then always look to use discount codes. Whenever you're buying things online, look for a discount code before you purchase. I mean, there's a lot of discount codes out there. It saves you money. And then uh, the last one is pay off your credit card monthly because if you go back and look at your year and you didn't pay your credit card off monthly and you got hit with interest, I mean, that's just wasting money. And re looking at that budget can even help with that. If you do have like a saving credit card debt, right? You know, good way to, to help that balance sheet is allocate some more cash flow through these times. If you're adjusting that budget and you have a little bit more free cash flow, pay down those credit cards. You don't want to be battling inflation and be battling the credit card companies paying interest. You know, that can really help. And I, going back to the discounts and coupon codes, I feel like you were looking at Matt um, when you said that. So. He still hasn't bought, he still hasn't bought into that theory, but I don't purchase anything online unless I look for a discount code first. I know, that's how I am too. All right. So let's get into the RPA recommends. Now we're in a new year. Uh, some new recommends. What do you have for us, Matt? Josh, have you ever been to Coachella? No, never. Uh, Brent, you? No, I'm a little old for that. Uh, all right, so only stagecoach. Yeah, so Coachella is a big music festival. Um, that I I think they're actually going to bring it back this year. And the only reason why I'm talking about Wait, it. Wait, you're going? Oh no, <laughs> I, absolutely not. No, I'm not going to recommend going. I, Coachella is. I'm too old to go to Coachella, most likely. Um, I'm not cool enough. I don't think there's an age limit for Coachella. But there's yeah. not, but I think there's a cool factor. Okay. Um, you know, people listening, if you have grandkids who are in college, they've probably gone or are going at some point in their life. It's a big music festival. Um, they're selling NFTs. So really cool. They partnered with FTX. You probably have seen their commercials on TV. And they're, they're selling NFTs this week. And 10 of them actually are lifetime Coachella passes which is super cool. Um, I'm curious to see how much they go for, but essentially the NFT, whoever owns it, gets a, a free ticket to Coachella that year. Um, and it, it lasts for a lifetime, which is really cool. And they have some other prints of some famous, uh, I guess, Coachella scenes. So really cool to see NFTs going mainstream. Um, this is gonna continue to be a trend this year. I know there's a couple NFT Super Bowl commercials around some of the hot projects. So my recommendation is to learn about it. It's cool that, you know, we've talked about it, you and I, about NFTs and incorporating like memberships or, you know, exclusive uh, member benefits and stuff like that. To, so to see that actually happening is really cool in that space for sure. Country clubs need to adopt this. I mean, how cool would that be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like NFT for your golf membership. Yep. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, my recommends. So I needed a new cutting board. Something like I use a lot. I mean, I like to cook, come in the kitchen a lot. And um, 
I didn't know, but my my mom, shout out to her, she came over and she looked at my cutting board and was like, you need a new one. Um, so I did a little research. Uh, so shout out to her. Thanks for recognizing that I needed a new one. And I bought a teak house. Um, so pretty nice. They make them out of like real wood and they have like a, I think like a lifetime warranty on them if, as long as you take care of them. But really nice, really like it. Didn't know I needed a new one. Got a little like oversized one too, so I can do everything on there while I'm prepping and cooking for dinner. But if you don't have or need a new cutting board, check out Teakhouse. They're really nice. That's a good idea. Um, do you have a good knife to go with it? I do. Yeah, I actually got um, a couple good knives a while ago. Um, and uh, yeah, th- so that combination has made my cooking even more enjoyable. Yeah, it's much better using a good knife and good yeah. cutting board. Oh, for sure. My recommend is pulling it back to one of the earlier shows, but something in my life that I don't see enough people using, and I don't know why, it's something I cannot literally live without every day, and that's my AirPods. I left my AirPods at another location that I wasn't going to be able to get back to for like two or three weeks. I had to go get another pair because I couldn't go that long without <laughs> them. They've brought down the prices on them because there's so many different options on different generations now. I think anybody who has a phone should have AirPods. I really like mine. I will say, though, anyone who's listening that potentially works for Apple, I got a problem with mine. I got to take them in. But when they're working great, they're great. I totally agree with you. I feel like I can't talk on the phone without them anymore. Correct. I, I don't even know how anyone holds the phone to their ear nowadays. Like you have to, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, one of the options should be just with AirPods in your ear. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're great. Matt, you got AirPods? Yes, I have AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as advisors, we love helping people. That's why we do it. Uh, you can also download our ebook on our website. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the retirement plan playbook. It gives you financial steps that you should take, whether you're 10 years out, it goes through five years and one year from retirement. You also get information on how to manage your first year of retirement. Plus it also gives helpful case studies and it shows you how we can actually work together. So um, if you'd like to get that retirement plan playbook, go to uh, our website, you can download the ebook. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. But as always, love having listeners and thank you for listening. Thank you. Yeah, get that ebook. It's great. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.